goes out to you today for listening to Eco Radio KC on 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. This is a locally made exploration into positive solutions to some of today's ecological challenges for all of us working to create a healthier future for our communities and for the world you live in. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. My name is Darnell. Today on Eco Radio KC, host Richard Mavian speaks with Jeffrey Severin, presently Senior Program Manager for Heartland Environmental Justice Center, which is part of the Environmental Finance Center at Wichita State University. He worked a long stint as Director of the Center for Sustainability at the University of Kansas and as an environmental educator before that. His work takes him throughout the Midwest. The Heartland Environmental Justice Center helps individuals, organizations, and institutions support underserved and disadvantaged communities in Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and adjoining indigenous nations. Capitalize on their capacity to make meaningful advances toward environmental and energy equality at the local, state, regional, and federal levels. The Center helps communities develop their ability to participate in environmental justice and energy justice decision making. Find and apply for grants and engage with the private sector to be part of energy and infrastructure project design and development. Jeff's interest in the connections that exist between human and natural system is reflected throughout his career as an informal educator and sustainability professional. His experience spans watershed education, waste reduction, energy conservation, multimodal transportation, landscape restoration, community wellness, food insecurity, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. He has coordinated strategic planning and project implementation to address a range of environmental and social challenges. As Richard and Jeff discuss the Environmental Justice Center, their topics will be wide-ranging, not only as to issue energy pollution, protection of our environment, and the sustainability of our lives, but wide-ranging with respect to geography. We at Eco Radio are glad to encourage awareness and protection of our world. Our goal is to ensure our listeners are aware of how we can create a sustainable present or a sustainable future. This will be a great radio hour. Now, our show. Good evening, everyone. This is Richard Mabian, and uh, welcome to what I would consider to be a very important show. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to take time. First of all, uh, I'm glad you decided to tune in, and I hope that you will hear something out of this show that will be beneficial to you and the things you're doing in life, not just in the environmental world, but in, in, in how we are progressing as a nation of people, too. Uh, our, our guest, who I'm going to have come on and introduce himself to you. Jeff, you want to introduce yourself to folks, pal? Yeah, Richard, thanks so much for having me on the show. 
been excited and, and looking forward to this conversation with you. Um, as the as the the introduction provided, you know, I'm I'm working with the Heartland Environmental Justice Center, which is a brand new center um, based out of Wichita State, but we cover a four state area. We uh, work with the indigenous nations that are that are part of um, the region, and um, yeah, I think really appreciate the opportunity to get information out about this center to the community, to your audience, because um, we hope that we can use this center as a um, a way to really engage the community to um, learn about the challenges that are that, that folks are facing out there and in, um, in terms of environmental justice and you know the, the need for a transition to green energy um, and then you know put our resources to work to, to provide support to, to make something happen. Very good. You know, when I asked you that question, I went, oh, man, I put him in a bad position. I should have just said a few things about you and just we went from there. Uh, I listened to the comments that uh, our opening guy said about you. And, uh, you know, you said a lot, you know, I mean, I mean you've done a lot, man. And uh, I'm sitting here going, wow, more people ask biggest, biggest thing I could come up with me is the unofficial greens or Kansas City Metro. <laughs> politics region, you know, but I mean, you have been engaged in a lot of activities, and I think you were an excellent choice for this this new position. Uh, before we get started, tell 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 folks, uh, and I know that you don't use the word, but the commun but the nation's using this word TikTok. What is it <laughs> that this new environmental support system for lack of a better way of saying it is what is it well it's a tic tac so it's a thriving communities technical assistance center um and the the focus of the tic tacs and we're one of oh 17 across the nation there's i think 14 or 15 regional ones um and they're adding a couple more but the goal was really for these centers to help identify funding opportunities for communities to address their environmental challenges um, and and really kind of walk through that process of applying for funding, um, identifying kind of the, the best approaches, the best funding sources that that specifically meet that challenge. Um, and, and once that money hopefully comes into their hands, helping them manage those grants. One of the things that's a, you know, a big challenge right now is there's Lots of money that's coming forward through IRA funds and through um, other government support um, that's directed towards environmental justice and, and a transition to green energy. Um, but not everybody's really prepared, I think, to apply for those funds, to, to go after some of those big grants. Um, and it's a real burden sometimes to go through that process, especially for smaller organizations. and. Um, like community, like neighborhood organizations, small nonprofits, even small communities, um, they just don't have the the time, the, the staff, because they're out there doing the work, right? Um, and it leaves very little time to do that kind of planning component that's necessary to um, figure out the kind of cumbersome processes of applying for these for these grants. And and that's really what our role is uh, at the Heartland Environmental Justice Center is to provide that support to provide training so that, that folks understand kind of step-by-step step what needs to be done, but then also kind of walk through that process. We can't, we can't write grants for people, um, but we can help them, you know, develop the concepts for those, for their grant applications. We can help them 
identify kind of what those um, challenges are, what data needs to be collected to make sure it's a strong proposal, um, do some assessment with the community to help them really dig in so that we're not just looking at kind of what's the Band-Aid for this problem, but what's, you know, the whole solution and kind of really dig into the problem and understand kind of what's causing kind of that underlying root of the problem that we can address through a, through a bigger project. You know, I uh, while you were talking, I'm thinking in terms of uh, the, the, the world as it has been and those people you're talking about who have not had really the, the makeup or the staff to get involved with the, the whole aspect of uh, writing grants and applying for grants and, and a lot of the technical knowledge that they need is missing. So I personally uh, think that that's a great role for for your organizations to 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 provide you answered my question i was going to say well i know that up to now when it came to like epa there was a, a time would come when they no longer could be directly involved with you in the in the production of the grant that you were trying to write but you said you can't write it, but you there, but you could still give them some assistance during that time. And that's what makes what you are different than what EPA has been. In EPA's case, when the grant was was was, was released, their involvement with an organization had to cease. No more questions, no more this, no more that. But you're still going to be in a position that they can reach out to you to get that information. Is that right? Did I hear that right? Yeah, that's right. And I mean, we want to be able to walk through that whole process. We want to help sure, make sure people get that money. And then that there's also a lot of kind of cumbersome processes in terms of managing that fund. Yes, yes, quarter, I heard that too. You know, yes. quarterly reports, um, keeping data updated, sharing that information back to, with your with funders. And so I don't really see us as just let's help you get the money, but let's help you get that right. funding, manage the project implement the project and, and provide support, you know, on beyond that. It's not a um, let's just show up at the beginning and, and walk away, but support organizations throughout that whole process and see it, you know, to the end as much as we can. Well, you know, uh, when, when, when one of the things that happened during the, when I came out of college in 71 and went into the inner city, St. Louis, to get involved in uh, new, new programs like you're doing here, the one thing they had was a umbrella management kind of system, and it was designed to do what you're saying. And, 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 and there's some talk out here about that coming back into being. In other words, you have a, a central office that has one of whatever's the best you can have, from accountants to bookkeepers to the elderly program, the health program, the youth programs. The people who have all that expertise are in the central office, and then they hire people people in the communities to run the centers and that way they the the the, the management the 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 uh, people who are operating the the program or the, the agency can be assured that the every i is dotted every t is crossed like it's supposed to be done that the that the money's been spent in the manner that it needs to be spent uh so that's kind of what i'm hearing is going to be coming from your role maybe not as defined as that umbrella management thing but yet still you're going to be able to give that kind of assistance to the people involved yeah and i think our role is very much about you know 
connecting people to the resources that are most helpful. So it's not just, you know, the, the Heartland Environmental Justice Center is um, our own staff, but we also have a network of nonprofit organizations in um, each of the four states that, you know, have various expertise. Um, we've got folks who have very specific environmental expertise. We have folks who are engineers who can, you know, if an engineering plan needs to be developed, that we can um, tap into that group and have them help folks with their applications where those maybe, you know, a, a preliminary engineering drawing is needed or just kind of some concepts that, that require a little bit more um, data collection. Um, so, so it's really just um, being able to connect people to the resources that they may not have available right there in their community. Right. Um, I really, you know, as, as a kind of, um, long, long-term sustainability professional and um, urban planner always think about, you know, how do we, how do we look at things from a, a much bigger picture and how, how is everything connected and how do we take advantage of all those connections? So whether that's us working with other federal or state agencies or experts in the field, really looking at a problem and saying, okay, what are all the contact points that we need to make to to bring this together and make something of it as opposed to you know being down kind of in the dirt and and not being able to see all those other pieces that that could be supporting a project oh i see it uh we get be down to two minutes before we got to go on a break and so i kind of will set up the uh, conversation when we come back because I want to know for a fact how it's working. I've been hearing that for this money to be received on local levels, you have to somehow have the the state and the local governments involved. So I'm not saying that's the way it is. That's what I'm hearing being out here in the field. So when we come back oh, after this break, I want you to address that first, and then we can get into the, 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 the meat behind what it is you're trying to do. Okay, gang, we're getting ready to take a break. Now, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to open up a line so that if some of you have a question you like to shoot into us, we want you to be able to do it. The number, get your pencil ready, that you need to call, use is 816-931-5534. That's 816-931-5534. This is Richard Mabian. We had Eco Radio at KKFI.com. Or we will be back. The All Souls Forum is a public forum to promote critical thinking for issues that involve ethical values of the contemporary world. Please join us at noon each Thursday for another presentation covering topics such as education, public health, the environment, racism, women's rights, and LGBTQIA plus issues. Right here on KKFI 90.1 FM. Kansas City Community Radio. Did you know your business or organization could be sponsoring this episode of Eco Radio KC? Learn more at kkfi.org slash marketing. I'm Dr. Anthony Lizowitz, and this is Climate Connections. In 1996, after suffering multiple floods, residents of the small community of Wakinda, Missouri, packed up and moved away. 
Their homes were purchased and demolished as part of a government buyout program. Today, a granite monument topped with a bell from Wakinda's Baptist Church memorializes the community that was lost and honors the lives of those who left and started over elsewhere. The commemoration to them means that their stories are not forgotten. Elise Zavar is an associate professor of emergency management and disaster science at the University of North Texas. I started visiting communities that had already gone through buyouts to see what the landscapes were looking like. I was thinking, I really want to know how they're commemorating and remembering these past places. Zavar says in her research, she found very few examples where bought-out properties had been memorialized on the landscape. But she says commemorating homes and communities that have gone through buyouts can help former residents heal. Whether it's a tree or whether it's a plaque, a mural, whether it's people coming back and revisiting a site annually to celebrate their memories there, that's an important opportunity for us moving forward to remember where we've been and where we're going. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. All right, this is Richard Mabian, back to you. And I'm here with Jeff Severin, and um, we're talking about this new program. The the, the official name is Environmental Justice Thriving Communities Technical Assistance Centers. And, of course, you know, people nowadays have to find a way to shorten things down to just some letters. So that's where we came up with this tic-tac, the EJ tic-tac program. And, uh, you know, in this world we live in, that catches people's attention, <laughs> especially the younger set. They think you're talking about the tic-tac on the, on, on the Internet. It's not, it's not tic-tac. <laughs> Yeah, 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 but that don't matter. I mean, you know, in this world we live in, all you got to do is be close to it. That's all. Okay, now, I asked you that question before we left. It may, you may have an answer, you may not. That's fine. Be, but but, I'm, but I know that that's a, a, a area that I hear some people wondering, how is that going to work? Uh, you know, here I am, I'm thinking about doing something. And, and and I got to figure out, so is the program going to be set up that it goes through these governmental stages? How's that work? Do you know? Well, it depends on the funding source, too. So there are there are uh, grants that come out that are specifically allocating funding to local government or tribal government, um, but also sources that um, are available for uh, nonprofit organizations or community-based organizations to apply for. And that's another kind of piece of what we are here for is to help people kind of sift through the mystery of grant funding and identify those that that are, you know, that whatever organization or community we're working with are eligible to apply for. Um, so, you know, so that's a big process, too, is just sorting through all these different grants, right. whether it's a foundation grant or if it's a state or some sort of local source of funding or a federal grant um, and being able to identify, you know, kind of play matchmaker, really, to say, OK, here's your problem. Here's this set of funding that we can pursue and here's how we can help you achieve that. And so, I think also um, on the other side of that is just we we can also help community members um, engage with. The local government and um so it's so part of our, our role is also kind of civic engagement community engagement um and and helping people understand what is that process to engage with your local government to make sure that um 
you're part of those decisions. So when when the local government's making a decision about applying for a grant, you know, when's the right point to engage with your local government and make sure your voices are heard? Because you know, environmental justice is really not just about kind of undoing past wrongs and, and, and rebuilding um, in a new way, but it's also making sure that, you know, the the problems that you know, resulted from not engaging the community, the impacted community don't happen again. So that we're making sure that, you know, folks are part of those conversations from the very beginning. So that they're making, you know, part of those environmental decisions, part of the environmental planning, part of the implementation of those projects all the way through. And so um, working with folks to help them with that, but also working with the local governments to, to help them understand like, what's, what is meaningful engagement with your community look like? And, and, how, and how can we support that? Okay, I like that. I think that's a good, I like how you, how you answered that. I think basically I'm hearing you say that no, it's not a mandatory function. It really depends on the nature of the grant that you're trying to pursue. So that, that that's, a, that's a good answer on that. I, I like hearing that. Um, I know that the three areas that are available because of my NEJAC role, my, uh, that's uh, for those who don't know what NEJAC is, that's the National Environmental Justice Advisory Council. I was selected to that in September. And I meet with that the NEJAC group at various times to discuss the the recommendations that we're coming up with of how this money can be spent or what the people allocating the funds should keep their eye on. And uh, I know that, um, well, I had such a big lead in going into that. I, I know that the three areas that are being uh, stated as qualifying to apply for these, for these grants, one is community-based organizations. The second one is community-based organizations that are partnering with in, in, uh, independent businesses, okay, for-profit business, non-profit business, whichever one. And the third one is your tribal nation. Is that correct? Are those the three areas? Those are three. I mean, I think those are pretty, pretty good general areas of organizations that, um, and again, it depends on you know which set of funding we're talking about but yeah those a lot of a lot of times um especially with some of the epa ej grants that are coming out those are kind of the areas that that it, it focuses on yeah that's that's the area that i would be I, i'm i don't hate to say study and that's the area that i was selected to to work with so i guess that's why i have those three uh areas down and i keep the tribal aspect, I, I had written down at the indigenous nations. You had said that uh, in your opening comment. Uh, what does that involve? So we um, are the we're the we're the tic tac for EPA Region Seven. So our funding comes partially from EPA, partially from the Department of Energy, and Region seven is kansas missouri nebraska iowa and the adjoining indigenous nations so within um that region there are nine federally tri recognized tribes um and they're sovereign governments and we are here to support the work that that they're doing as well and so um historically you know when we look at um how Native Americans have been treated in, the, in this country and, and moved into reservations. Um, they were one of the first people um, to be impacted by environmental injustice, right? Their lands were taken away. Um, they've often are often moved to, to 
uh, unproductive, um, unwanted lands. And um, so a part of this is really helping those communities address some of the environmental challenges that they're facing in their, you know, in their nations where they're where they're residing now. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I, I like that. Uh, of course, that second group of misfits or they got mistreated were the uh, Africans that were brought in for uh, slavery, and also that group is blending in. But I'm glad. I think there's there's a lot those two uh, groups can learn from each other and uh, prosper and and provide. Uh, to the main thing is that sense of dignity that both groups lost, and I think that can be a, a tremendous benefit. I'll be out here. Uh, when you hear the noise going on down in the weeds, you say, that's probably Richard out, out there stirring up some dust. <laughs> but that'll be what I'll be working on. Uh, uh, have, have you came with, oh, I know one, the next question was you had mentioned about to me when we met about your 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 intention of involving the rural communities that's a good thing too to have an organization that is really focused in on that individual group are, are you making headways in that area yeah i think one of the pieces of our organization is that you know we've got connections with a few um, nonprofits that already are pretty well engaged in, in rural communities. So we work with, in Kansas, we work with the Kansas Rural Center. Uh, we work with the Center for Rural Affairs. They they work in Nebraska and Iowa and the Dakotas, um, even that's not part of our region. And then the Iowa Environmental Council has some strong connections with with rural areas. So a lot of the communication um, will work, you know, through our partners in that way. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of times when we when we think about environmental justice, it's it's what's really uh, visible in, in the urban areas, right? So we think about um, black and brown communities that are impacted by air pollution, um, that are you know in communities that you know were redlined originally and, and disinvested in, and um, really ended up with a lot of the polluting industries right there next to them. Right. Um, but we also see things happening in, in the rural landscape where um, we have um, smaller populations that are impacted by maybe sightings of a, a landfill or, or hazardous waste facility or um, a processing facility that result in, um, you know, water contamination. And so suddenly, you know, you have a small community that is relying on a uh, a well for for their source of water, and that 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 well is contaminated in now. And so, how, how do we make sure that they have um, life giving resources of water that they need, and and protect them from that? So, I think you know we really need to be looking throughout the region and thinking about you know what does environmental justice look like in different places. And I, and and sometimes you know it's not a question that's I think asked in the rural communities that much is what does it even look like to to address environmental injustices in 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 rural America? Well, you know, I have Zach on here, our legislative guy with the Sierra Club, and uh, being spending this time with the Sierra Club has been really beneficial for me as an inner city black 
person because you learned and heard things. I spoke to that rural group you're talking about out there in Kansas. I went out there and spoke to them at one of their conferences. And you start, you know, you hear me talk about this creating a climate change consciousness. And that's really important. And that's a lot of my work is to make sure that people across the different sectors start becoming aware of what's going on in the other sectors. Uh, when that's Zach is excellent for being on him here because he understands that about me. And we, we spend a lot of time making sure that we're making people aware in the inner city what farmers are having to deal with, uh, the, 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 the system, they're volunteering on, on, on watering, the cut down on their watering, and the different things they're doing to try to, to improve their own uh, survival rates. And I think that's good for us as a, as a, as a state, but I also think that's going to be good for us as a region for us to be able to start being we're pretty much aware of what others are having to deal with also, vice versa about the things that we're having to deal with in the inner city. I consider the lack of employment training and, and workforce development as much more of a major problem in the inner city than the polluted industries. Uh, but the polluted industries receive the attention because that's what's hot, that's front burner issues. So I'm gonna be able to figure out ways and even working with you to 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 make sure that story's being heard, you know, because we gotta figure out how we can bring, uh, make family, a family out of our region so that we can be not so siloed, but working in concert with each other. I see we down to the two minute fingers up in the air. So I'm gonna go ahead and again, be on my job. But when we come back, like, like, like I said, we wanna be able to um, uh, focus in on where are we going from here? Uh, before I go, for those people out there that would like to call in, that number again is 816-931. Five five three four, eight one six nine three one five five three four. This is Richard Mavian, and you're listening to KKF five ninety point one FM. We'll be back. Join me, DJ Madam B, early Tuesday mornings from two a.m. to three a.m. as a host, Doni del Mundo, global music by women, the musical women of the world. Here on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City. And if you miss an episode, you can hear the archives for two weeks at archive.kkfi.org. Are you passionate about making a difference in your community? So are we. KKFI's Community Voices series is dedicated to featuring local individuals and organizations that are driving positive change. If you have a story to share or initiative that you want to showcase, we invite you to submit your information at kkfi.org slash community voices. Together, let's amplify your impact and inspire others to join the movement. Join us on Community Voices and to share the positive differences made in our communities. Here's a calendar for the week of 918. 
don't forget to turn out your lights for the birds September 6th through October 6th. You can do this at your own home during peak migration, 7 p.m. to dawn. Songbirds migrate at night. Light pollution can cause them to become confused. We encourage everyone to turn off all unnecessary lights. If working indoors at night, close the drapes. Wednesday, September 20th, 9 to 11.30 a.m., Jerry Smith Prairie Restoration and Management Field Trip is at the Jerry Smith Park, East 139th Street and Prospect Avenue in Kansas City, Missouri. Join Linda Lairbaum, Program Manager at Kansas City Wildlands, as she leads a tour through the Remnant Prairie at Jerry Smith Park. Thursday, September 21st at 6 p.m., green drinks from Project Drawdown's Climate Solutions. Zach Pistora from the Kansas chapter of of the Sierra Club will be talking about the latest wind power development in Kansas. This is organized by the Thomas Hart Benton Group of the Missouri chapter of the Sierra Club. This is an in-person meeting at Servaus Brew, 10921 Johnson Drive, Shawnee, Kansas. Saturday's busy. Saturday, September 23rd, 8 to noon, Monarch Watching Tagging Event at the Baker University Wetlands, 1365 West 1250 Road, Lawrence, Kansas. Monarch Watch, the Jayhawk Audubon Society, and the Baker Wetlands Discovery Center are sponsoring a Monarch Butterfly Tagging for the public. There is no charge to participate and no experience is necessary. Bring yourself, your kids, your friends, your neighbors. The tags, nets, and instructions in how to net and tag monarchs will be provided. The monarchs are usually roosting or clustering, sometimes in spectacular concentrations, until around 8.30 a.m. As it warms up, they begin foraging for flowers. Please see complete details at monarchwatch.org. Saturday, September 23rd, 8 to noon, Undumpster Day in Kansas City is at 4th and Minnesota Avenue in Kansas City, Kansas. You can start by rounding up all the still good stuff that's laying around so you can bring it to our donation drive. Local nonprofits will be on hand to take it back to their organizations and use it for their important missions. We also have free paper shredding, thanks to our sponsors at AARP, and free used tire disposal. Details about items we accept and participating charity partners can be found at reuseful.org. Saturday, September 23rd, the Fall Family Festival is from 10 to 2 at the KC Community Gardens, 935 Grandview Avenue, KC Mo. Activities and more. The Fall Family Festival is free and open to the public. Saturday, September 23rd from 8 to noon, the West Bottoms Cleanup. You can volunteer with Bridging the Gap to clean up all the litter in the West Bottoms neighborhood and along the Riverfront Heritage Trail. There's coffee and donuts and lunch provided. This is a great event for families, groups, and students needing community service hours. To learn more, visit bridgethegap.org. Also on Saturday, the doors open at 9 a.m. for Go Green 2023. A free family-friendly environmental fair will be at the Powell Community Center, 6200 Martway Street in Mission, Kansas. You can learn how to take small steps to reduce your carbon footprint at home, school, and work. Register at missionkansas.org. Saturday, September 23rd, 1130 to 1 at Powell Gardens, the native Prairie Series, Why Prairies Matter. To learn more and reserve tickets, go to powellgardens.org. Race to the Dome, a canoe, kayak, and SUP race on the Missouri River is Saturday, October 7th. Registration closes at midnight on October 4th. Register at racetothedome.org. To find more information about the Women's Bike Summit on Saturday, September 30th, visit bikewalkkc.org. 
Stay involved, enjoy the weather, and watch your local politics for environmental issues. My name is Liz, and thank you for listening to Eco Radio KC. All righty, this is Richard back. That was a nice little uh, spread there, man. There's a lot going on in Kansas City. I had never heard that one about the uh, turn your lights out for the birds that uh, could have uh, problems and get confused and dizzy up there. And it made me think about the times I'd wake up and birds would be hit my windows at my, my picture window at the house. And I was wondering if that might have been doing one of those occasions when he got Dizzy out there. I figured he went somewhere and ate some marijuana and got high and flew into uh, Richard, my window. Richard, you have a caller. <laughs> Richard, you have a caller. Okay, very much a caller. Let me have your first name and the uh, part of the city you're from, please. Yes, this is Mark calling from uh, South Plaza, Kansas City. Okay, Mark. Uh, you got a question for my guy here? Go right ahead. I do, yes. I'm curious, Jeff, thank you for your work. Um, talk to uh, the level of expertise the organizations need to reach out to you. Um, do, do If I'm working with an organization, do I have to have a grant in mind that I need assistance on, or can I reach out to you to just from a starting point? Yeah, you can, you can be at any point in your process. Um, our job is really to um, listen First, learn you know what is the challenge that that's being um, that you that you have and 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 help you from whatever point you're at. And so, if you already have a, a challenge identified um, and you know what kind of funding you need to go out out for, we'll help you with that. If you if people who are just starting out, um, they know there's a an issue in their neighborhood, but they can't maybe quite identify it or or name it, um, we can help with an assessment in the community walk through that process, um, identify the challenge, and then, and then match up to funding. So really, you know, we can start at, at, at any point. And all folks need to do is is just contact us uh, through our website, which is heartlandej.org. Um, and there's a contact form there to provide just a little bit of information. And and we can get started there. Um, we're, you know, we're, we're very new. We're just starting kind of this process of, of getting the word out about the services that we can provide. And um, a lot of it is just that, that introductory conversation um, because, you know, we're not, we're not the experts in anybody's communities, but our own. And, and what we want to be able to do is go um, and, and, and learn about your community, learn what you already know. You all are the experts in, on your own communities. And so um, we just want to be, able to to learn from that and and pull together the resources that maybe that community hasn't had in the past or has um, been you know there have been barriers from accessing those resources in the past um, and and for the first time in a long time um, be able to to put that towards um, put those resources towards addressing real problems that's, that's fantastic so I don't have to be necessarily if I'm a, a part of an association or organization that, that that's fine, but I can be an individual citizen interested in talking about an issue that I'm aware of and would like to think about addressing. Yeah, we can do that too, and and I think part of our our role is is also connecting people. Um, so if it's just an individual with a concern, um, 
we can start from there and 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 hopefully identify a, an organization that um, has an interest in that issue that um, can apply for that funding and and, and find those organizations um, bring folks together um, in in some sort of coalition even to to um, go after this funding. Wow, that's fantastic! Thank you so much. Great information and uh, keep up the great work, Richard. Great show yes, today. Sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, if you're the Mark, I thank you. I thank you for calling. I appreciate that. Oh, okay. absolutely. Yep, you take care. Have a good day. Thanks, all. Will do. Will do. Um, that's that's what I'm, I'm excited with. Uh, uh, so, Terry, we got our first call through. And so that means that we got the system down. Now we can uh, push it even more. So, thank you. Uh, I, 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 where are we on time? What are we looking at? That just that that call just threw me all the way off. I wouldn't like it lost everything. So what time is it now? Let me make sure I got it straight. Six thirty nine, and we good through hard stop at six fifty one. Right? Okay. Okay. So now, now Jeff, this is you. I'm 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 letting you be able to take this part of the show and tell us what you want us to hear and what you want people out there to be aware of. Okay. Yeah, I think I think the caller really made a nice transition transition for us there because, um, yeah, I think one of the challenges that that we have seen and I think you know people have felt for years is that we've you know got this long history of people who've been promised environmental change, uh, promise that there's this money coming, promise that uh, they're going to uh, fix these harms that have been done in the past. Um, and they just haven't seen it. And I think people are frustrated and people are um, concerned that, you know, they're not going to see that change, you know, that that whatever has uh, become of their neighborhoods is what they have learned to just to kind of expect as normal. Right. Um, and, and that's, you know, where I think we can provide something different that um, that we want to be able to look at this money that's coming in as a new opportunity. You know, there could be through a new grant program that's coming out um, the beginning of um, this next calendar year, as much as $50 million for environmental justice work in just in our four state region. Um, and we want to make sure that that money is going where it's needed most. You know, a lot of, times that money goes to the same organizations, the same communities, um, the folks who are, you know, who are prepared and have the staff and have the resources um, to to go after funding like this. We want to see that change and, and really be able to help those organizations, those neighborhoods that, you know, have been left out in the past and haven't been able to access these these types of funds um, by providing that kind of network of, of additional resources. Um, so really, um, as I was telling Mark, you know, all you have to do is, is reach out and contact us to begin with and tell us your story. Um, we want to start this process from a point of deep listening. You know, we don't, we don't have an agenda for this project, you know, for this center, um, other than helping organizations get the funding that they need and the resources that they need for their environmental justice and energy justice projects. And so um, our first step is really deep listening, um, really understanding what what is it that, that folks are facing and, and um, understanding what those environmental challenges are. And then, um, from that point, kind of matching up the resources that will best help um, 
provide some solutions and provide some some actual real change um, and and walk those communities you know through that process as I said earlier you know I don't want us to be just an organization that kind of swoops into a community provides a little bit of help a little bit of funding and, and disappears but we want to be engaged we want to work with uh, those communities work with th- those neighborhoods um, and 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 move move that needle um, you mentioned you know jobs. Um, as as something that's needed, and that's you know something that I think definitely needs to be part of this process is thinking about like how do we not just kind of put a bayonet on things, but but really change the systems, right? And when, right. when we're talking about environmental justice, systems change is implied. It's not just a a quick fix. It's not just a a bandaid, but it's it's really changing the system that created this in the first place. And so part of that is an economic system and, and really thinking about how do we create environmental and, and energy change that also um, creates opportunities for developing a, a workforce um, and, and changing you know, the economy. Oh, I so love it's really a holistic approach. It's not just let's, let's fix this one little thing, but let's take a bit, let's really take it from a, a big picture approach and, and figure out you know, what, what all we can do in this area. Right. You know, it's kind of like uh, uh, I, I have my, my new hero, who is the people who know me would expect that Deion Sanders, uh, the football primetime, uh, you know, it's, I, I truly believe that we have the, the, the intellectual capability of being able to move to the, the needle to the next level. We need to understand that and enter into this arena with that as your driving force if we enter in with a bunch of negatives then that even the bible speaks to if you if you speak to it you end up being a part of that i think it's time for us to show that we have reached a point the one thing i love about him is the fact that he's not trying to be mr elite He's speaking and reacting from a point of view that is totally accepted and understood by the market that he's trying to embrace. And all of you know me and you know where I'm coming from. And I mean, uh, I'm not where Dion is. He's not me. But I'm saying it's up being upfront and honest about where we're trying to go uh, and, and doing it with the driving understanding that this is going to be done uh i'm very much aware of uh of the 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 folks that are being involved in the marketplace right now and there's a lot of us there jeff you're one of those persons terry's one of those persons and i don't need to speak about me i think i'm if Rick was here, he'd say, Richard, to make sure you know that that's him. He's one of them persons. And I truly believe that this money that's been made available, if in fact it's handled from the perspective that it needs to be handled, we're going to see some changes like you were just speaking of, uh, the, the employment opportunity like you were just speaking of, the, the kind of circumstances that's going to propel us into the next generation of, of greatness as individuals. Understand what I'm saying? I say this on this program. Please don't take it negative. But one of our greatest downfalls since the 60s has been getting people trained and then putting them on jobs where they've had redneck supervisors. 
We as a nation of people need to understand that doesn't work. I'm not saying it doesn't have to. It, can't, it doesn't have to be a white person. Hell, I don't consider you, Jeff, redneck. I don't consider Terry redneck. But we need to be more. I don't know. You might be when you're not in my face. But we need to be more cognizant of those factors in our placement of people. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be involved, but when we place people, we need to make sure that we're placing them at the initial juncture in a position where they can have a chance to learn and grow, you know, get that motivation and show that I can be, here comes my word, an asset. I can be an asset. And that's what I'm preaching in everything that I'm doing. We down to four minutes. Anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Oh, I'll just add, I'll just add on to that. Just the, that, you know, we talk sometimes about um, empowering communities to, to be able to, to make this change. And I, I don't know that that's, I've heard, you know, that sometimes that's not really the right approach, right? So it's, it's not that people are, don't have the power to do this, that, as I said, you know, there's all kinds of expertise. There's all kinds of interest. There's all kinds of um, talent in communities, and we just want to help folks capitalize on that, right? Yeah. So if if you haven't seen success happening in your community and you haven't um, been able to to create that change, it's easy to, of course, get you know to get down and and feel right. negative about it. Um, but we want to kind of change that that narrative and and really turn things around and and help all that talent um, be reignited in, in communities and, and, and create the, the change that we, you know, we know is possible. That's right. Uh, it, it's, it's a, it starts with leadership. And, and, and I'm telling you that uh, if you're out here in the field, you start to see the caliber of folks that are out here making things happen. And uh, uh, it's going to all come together. Uh, that's 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 uh, and I love KKFI being involved. I think KKFI has learned has earned the right to be involved with the news that's coming out about like what you're doing. I I, I love the fact that we're going to be able to have you on here. By the way, your next date is the 30th of October. I mean, you and Jeff, you and Zach, y'all are y'all are my go-to folks. Uh, but I want to make sure that we're letting people hear you. You know, I mean, I can talk to you anytime I want, but I want people to be made aware of what it is that you are trying to attempt. And I'm sure by the next time you're on, there will be some accomplishments that you've made. And I want people to hear that, to know that you are indeed a man of your word. Okay, that's going to be really important. Go ahead. No, I absolutely uh, appreciate your that. Contact, your contact information, come on. Yeah, so you can reach me. The easiest way to reach us is that the Heartland EJ Center it's uh, heartlandej.org. You can also, you know, give me a call at 316-854-6615. That's 316-954-6615. And all you got to do is reach out, let us know kind of what kind of environmental challenges you're facing. Um, and, and we'll take it from there. We'll, you know, we'll help build those resources around you and, and make sure that um, we accomplish something real with you. All right, buddy. I knew it was going to be a great show. I had no, no doubt in my mind. And, I, and I, you handled it admirably. And I look forward to being a, in the position to help you 
get that jump that we're looking for. This is KKFI, everyone. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back. Coming up Thursday, September 21st at 7 p.m. on the People Power Hour brought to you by Casey Tenants, we'll be talking about the Tenant Bill of Rights. Our guests will be Brandy Granados and Janae Manley, two people that were instrumental in both writing it and getting it passed. Want to know how we got here and how it can protect you from slumlords? Tune in to the People Power Hour brought to you by Casey Tenants on September 21st at 7 p.m. The future is here. Put your smart speaker to good use by saying, play KKFI. That's all you have to do to get the news, views, and music you love. KKFI, wherever you are. My name is Darnell. At the end of our hour, here's some environmental news for the week of September 18, 2023. Democracy Now! reports Phoenix, Arizona reports at least 202 people have died due to this year's unprecedented summer heat wave. Another 356 suspected heat-related deaths are under investigation. Nearly half the confirmed deaths were among people without permanent homes. More than 50 occurred indoors, usually when people lacked air conditioning. There were 31 days of above 100 10 degrees temperature in a row. Yesterday, September 17, 2023, thousands of protesters marched in New York City and in other cities around the world calling for an end to fossil fuels. New York University plans to divest from fossil fuels. The chair of the NYU Board of Trustees announced a decision in an August 2023 letter. New York University will join Brown, Harvard, Cornell, Princeton, George Washington, and dozens of other colleges and universities in divesting from fossil fuels. With still four months to go, the number of major climate-related disasters so far in 2023 has already set records. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration said 23 separate weather and climate disasters have caused at least $1 billion in damage from January to August, surpassing the previous record set in all of 2020. EcoWatch reports, Google Map is expanding with three new tools to help map rooftop solar potential, air quality, and pollen. The tool utilizes Google's artificial intelligence, machine learning, environmental data, and aerial imagery to provide more information on the environment. Google has announced a new solar API that maps resources for detailed data on rooftop solar potential. In addition, Google Google also announced Air Quality API, which provides in-depth air quality information to users. The company announced a third tool, Pollen API, which offers information on pollen count from top pollen sources. This could help the around 400 million people globally who have allergies, including 67 million adults in the U.S. who have seasonal allergies. According to Google, these new tools can help developers and businesses plan sustainable solutions and help users lessen their environmental impact. New analysis funded by NASA has found that 1.5 degrees Celsius of global heating above pre-industrial levels, half the world's glaciers would disappear and cause sea levels to rise 3.5 inches by the year of 2100. 
Anti-climate news reports, cities throughout the Great Lakes region face similar crises with archaic wastewater systems, crumbling infrastructure, and segregated housing created a perfect storm of flooding vulnerability from sources that range from excessive rain and overflowing rivers to lake storm surges and sewage system flooding. Rural areas and indigenous communities and ecosystems in the Great Lakes also face severe risk from flooding and each each instance, environmental justice issues go hand in hand with flooding risk and partnerships with impacted communities are key to finding solutions. The Sustainability Action Newsletter reports. Researchers report the discovery of what may be the largest lithium deposit known to exist anywhere in the world inside a caldera of an extinct volcano in Nevada near the Oregon border. A company expects to begin mining there in 2026. It will remove clay with water and then separate out the small lithium-bearing grains from the larger minerals. If they can extract the lithium in a very low energy intensive way or in a process that does not consume much acid, then this can be economically very significant. Last year, EV sales in China totaled nearly 7 million units, an increase of almost 100% compared to the prior year. Many EVs in China are pint size and have a fraction of the power Americans crave in their vehicles. Anthropocene Magazine reports, an inexpensive, lightweight new fabric could help keep cars, spacecraft, and machinery cool in the summer and warm when the temperatures dip in winter. Detailed in the journal device, the new thermal cloak does not need any power and could reduce the energy needed for cooling and heating. Besides making cars more bearable to get into in sweltering heat or frigid cold, the electricity-free fabric cover could have a key benefit for electric cars. Exposure to extreme temperature degrades battery performance and shortens their lifespan. The thermal cloak could help reduce that damage. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. Please tune in again next week or listen to our podcast at any time. Thank you for listening to Eco Radio KC on KKFI 90.1 FM, Kansas City Community Radio. Eco Radio is brought to you each week by a team of collaborators, including me, Craig Lugo, Terry Wilking, Brent Rysdale, Bob Grove, and Dave Mitchell. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and not of KKFI and or the Midcoast Media Project. You can find our calendar and a podcast of each show on Eco Radio KC's Facebook page, as well as on our show page at kkfi.org. This is Richard Mabian, and you can send inquiries and comments to our email at kkfi.org forward slash contact or message us on our Facebook page. Up next is Fiesta Musicale, followed by Noche Magica. Our outro music is Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell. Don't 
seem to go That you don't know what you've got till it's gone Ooh.